1: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this
2: live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I am Dominic Chu, in for Scott Wapner today. Another big sell-off on the street after yesterday's massive market meltdown. Have investors become too complacent? Or is this pullback part of just a healthy correction? And what's next for those big tech names that have been carrying this market? We're talking, of course, of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and we'll put Tesla in that mix as well. We will debate that with our investment committee. They are today, Stephanie Link, Jim Labenthal, John Nigerian, and Shannon Sakocha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private Wealth. Let's right now get a check on what's happening with markets this hour because stocks are plunging again, though off their worst levels of the session. And again, the Nasdaq is the biggest loser of the day, led by those technology names. The Dow was up at one point this morning, almost 250 points, but now has done a complete U-turn and is now down triple digits in a big way. You can see they're off 425 points. That is, by the way, again, off the lows of the day. Let's now bring up that discussion with our traders, and perhaps I will start with uh, Stephanie Link here first. The last couple of days, has it made you at all frightened of what could be to come?
3: Uh, No, not at all. I think this is healthy profit-taking. I think what's going on here is this massive rotation from growth into value. And if you think about it though, the Russell 1000 growth index, even after this pullback, is still up 21% year to date. The, the Russell 1000 value index is actually down 9%. The XLK is still up 25% year to date. And that doesn't even tell you the story because you know that Apple and Nvidia and Amazon and Zoom, they're up 100 to 300, 400% up from the March lows. So this is healthy. I think the rotation makes Sense. And the reason it makes sense, Dom, is because the economic data continues to surprise to the upside. We are recovering faster than anybody thought. And today we got the non-farm payroll numbers. The last four months, U.S. employment actually has risen by 10.6 million. We've recovered half of the jobs since April and uh, March and April. And this is on top of yesterday's data, where we've got better productivity unit labor costs, ISM. So I have said for a while that there have been pockets of the economy that have been improving housing auto parts of consumer uh, manufacturing now you're seeing better job numbers and that's really very encouraging still have a long way to go but that is very, very encouraging to me. And I think that we are gonna continue to see progress into next year, and that means better economic data, better profitability, and cyclicals and economically sensitive stocks should work better. I'm not abandoning technology, but I think they're up so much they could take a pause, and maybe the new leadership will be the cyclicals for the time being.
2: Is this, Jim Labenthal, a, a, a matter of new leadership, so to speak? We've highlighted so much that it's been within the S&P 500, technology, consumer discretionary, and communication services that have far and away been the leadership in the S&P 500. And amongst those, just maybe six or seven stocks that have really been powering the gains. Is now the time that there is a real rotation out of some of those into more of the names that we consider value-oriented? We've seen this show play out in the past, and it never really comes to fruition.
4: Yeah, this is probably the sixth or seventh time that we've had a uh, maybe rotation. I hope it is a rotation. Um, I certainly have plenty of value names in my portfolio, but here's what my concern is, and I voiced it earlier this week. You want that rotation to come during a positioning of strength in the market. If it's simply that the value names don't go down as much as the technology names uh, in this rotation, meaning the whole market is coming down. That's pretty much cold milk for me. Uh, I mean, a lot of these value names, you look at financials, they are still way, way under their highs. They're down on the year. Uh, Same is true, of course, of energy, a lot of material stocks as well. So you'd like that rotation not to take the form of the technology stocks getting pummeled. Now on that front, let me just say this, it's way too early to get freaked out. Nobody that I talk to in a professional sense, other money managers, is getting freaked out. I hope that our watchers are not getting freaked out. I want to remind everybody that that many people, including me, have been saying for the past couple of weeks, you know, we're due for a correction, wouldn't mind a little pullback to put some cash to work. Um, If that's what we're getting, then we can't fall into this trap, this behavioral trap of saying, oh my God, the sky is falling, I'm not going to buy stocks. And in that in that light, I want to point out that last week I said, you know, visa is a name I'd like to add uh, if it got below 200. So thinking about it this morning, it got just about 200 and I decided to pull the trigger. You know, I've had some cash on the sidelines. People know that. Uh, Visa is a high-quality name um, that, as the economy continues to pick up, this is to Stephanie's point, consumption will continue, and Visa should perform very nicely uh, in that regard. So I'm happy to have picked it up at about 2.01 today. Uh, And if the markets continue to go down further, I have my shopping list. I will not be afraid, and I will put money to work.
2: So, all right, let's talk about shopping lists. Shannon Sakosha. I mean, you take a look at the parts of the market that are the most impacted, They're the ones that have led to the upside. They're the ones that are leading to the downside right now. What exactly goes on the shopping list if you're constructive? Because that sure as heck doesn't feel like a panic right now. The reason why I say that, we mentioned it yesterday on this show. There are other parts of the market that would be panicked if there was an overall sense of panic why are government bonds right now selling off? Why are interest rates going higher? Why is there no stress in corporate credit right now? There's other parts of the stock market that aren't selling off nearly as much. It seems to be that this is perhaps just the healthy pullback variety. What goes on the shopping list?
5: For most investors, you know, the challenge is going to be here is that there is going to be a pull to go into these names or add positions to these names because they've been such big winners over the last six months. And I've continued to feel that this is a defensive trade. The trade into tech is defensive. Um, Strong balance sheets, a lot of cash, uh, ability to be somewhat insulated from the global pandemic in terms of revenues and earnings. And so I think if you're looking at this right now, if if you don't have a position in a market leader like Microsoft, you know maybe you feel a bit a little bit better about buying it after a couple days of a dip. But more importantly, I think that you do want to make sure that you're looking at those cyclical sectors and looking at quality companies there. Um, I think the shopping list is not all that different, but perhaps this... this rotation away from technology will offer people the opportunity to look outside of the tech sector and communication services for that matter to other parts of the market and so i think this creates an entree for investors to become a bit more diversified it probably offers an opportunity to have discussions about diversifying concentrated positions in the fang names and being able to put that money to work in other areas of the equity market which to steph's point if we continue to see momentum on the economic front there probably will be a few missteps and we expected September to be a bit choppy for that reason however there continues to be the you know the dual tailwind of both monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus and economic growth and inflation moving higher creates an opportunity for financials you know growth in general creates an opportunity for materials and industrials so i would say what goes on the shopping list is probably being able to justify or have a a source of cash for some of these more cyclical names that you might be eyeing for your portfolio
2: all right so you brought up the fangs and that's where i want to take the rest of this discussion right now at least in the beginning part of our hour john Nigerian there has been a lot made of what's been a driving force supposedly behind what's happening with the upside and downside volatility, and that is the options market, specifically in some very Mm -hmm. large mega cap tech and communication services name, many of which we can call Fang. I turn to this story Mm -hmm. that was first broke by the Financial Times and has now been kind of reported on by the Wall Street Journal as well, about Japanese investment conglomerate SoftBank, possibly being one of the largest players in single stock options tied to mega cap technology stocks. It could be in the billions of dollars worth of exposure. And that has been what's been driving the market. Now, here's a graphic that we're showing viewers right now and and listeners on SiriusXM. What I want to tell you is as of June 30th, according to regulatory filings, SoftBank has had massive positions in big names like Amazon, Alphabet, Adobe, netflix microsoft it's a who's who's list of all of these mega cap names what exactly is happening in the options market john that is causing all of this and is softbank really to blame
6: well um, uh, i i know what you read uh... and i know what you intuited last week dom when we were having this conversation you were saying john is this hedging why are we seeing so much volume and why is volatility picking up to the upside in the market in other words we weren't melting down last week but we were seeing volatility Dom, move from the VIX at 2144 on Wednesday last week to 27 on Friday and of course today uh, and because of yesterday's action and today spiking into the 35s. it seems the reason was just as the Financial Times has cited that there were outsized bets uh, placed by SoftBank bets on these individual names everything from Apple and Tesla and Alphabet uh, Facebook you name it anything that would be somewhat fang related and in particular in tech now what that did was it caused the skew that we normally see where out of the money puts for instance skew significantly higher than calls. The calls were skewing to the upside as well. There was nobody out there, Dom, that really wanted to provide that upside because Apple was making that extraordinary move both into and after it split. So was Tesla. So as those happened, Dom, uh, we saw an awful lot of folks basically panic. Um, now whether it was SoftBank, whether it was you know the march of the ants as well. You know, all the little traders that followed in on some of those big upside moves. Most of those little traders, though, aren't the ones that are the catalysts for all the buying that had. Because, again, whenever we talk about uh, people uh, making these outsized bets, if you will, Dom, somebody provided that um, access to the markets. So it's the likes of. Deutsche Bank, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Sock Gen, you know Goldman Sachs, whomever did provide that, they were buying right along with the upside calls that they were selling. That becomes a feeding frenzy, and obviously nothing better uh, highlights that than Tuesday's action and then the reversal that we saw very aggressively yesterday when they more or less just pulled the rug out from under the market. So right now, Dom, I'd say that much of what we've saw on that run-up post those splits that I just spoke to, as well as these sell-offs now yesterday and today, is because of the absence of that big whale. That's what the Financial Times called him, uh, the SoftBank trader, a whale. Um, I think it's absent that, everything's going to drift back into a more normal trading environment. And we're not going to have that melt up that we saw on Tuesday out of nowhere.
2: So that dynamic, uh, for, uh, we know that many of our watchers, our viewers and listeners are, are, are trading professionals. They, knew, they know what skew means. But in essence, what you're saying is that there was a huge movement in prices for similarly priced call options for expiry versus put options. People started to pay a little bit more on the call option side. So we saw some signs of that over the course of the last couple of weeks. I wonder now then, and I'll turn back to Stephanie for this, given what we've just heard, given the idea that the market has manifested the way it has right now, with all of that options activity and hedging activity and everything else, what do you do with technology stocks? Is this the buying opportunity? Do you go back in, are you nibbling? What exactly is the strategy there?
3: Well, I think you can be selective. So for example, I was buying Broadcom earlier this week. It didn't feel good yesterday, but they had a great quarter last night and they, ra- they beat and raised and they're benefiting substantially from the, their wireless business. It's gonna grow 50% sequentially. And that's all Apple, right? That's the 5G. So I still wanna own uh, the, the cloud names, the 5G names, the data center names. I don't think this is the buying opportunity, though, for the ma- mass of tech. Like I said, Vago or, or, or Broadcom is kind of a special situation story for me. It is only up 12% on the year. It trades at a 30% discount to the SMH, so it really hasn't performed well. So that one, I feel more comfortable buying because I like the long-term story and I think there's real value there. But in terms of Apple and Nvidia and AMD, I own them all and Lam Research as well, Microsoft and some of the fangs I own. But I don't think that this is the that we're over just yet, I think that this pullback could kind of last a little bit, and I think this rotation really could have some legs. And so I have been saying for a while, you have a barbell—you own some of the secular growers, but you also want to have some of the cyclicals—and um, and, and that's kind of the way I've been playing it. I will be a buyer, there's no doubt, uh, of some of the technology companies, the ones that I own um, on a pullback. But I think you have a little more to go. They, they're up so much, Tom, from uh, the March low.
2: Jim Labenthal, I I, I know that they're they're uh, they're up a lot. I. I but Apple is now down markedly from where it was just three days ago. Is it possible that Apple can go down, say another hypothetically, five, 10 or more percent, given the pullback that we've already seen in those shares?
4: Well, let me me move on from the obvious answer of yes, Dom, because that's not really what, you know, a thoughtful conversation. Let, Let me say this. I'm not worried about Apple or Microsoft or Amazon falling out of bed first off i don't think it's likely okay but where i think we should be talking are some of the other high flyers that really got way too ahead of themselves, and it's not that they're bad companies; they're good companies. I'm talking about Tesla. I'm talking about Zoom. These are obviously fabulous companies, and we were on uh, two days ago. I think Tyler was on, not you, Dom, and we were praising the virtues of Zoom. But you know what? It was up 44% that day, and it's and it was up sevenfold on the year. And one of the things I talked about it uh, on Wednesday was you have to ask yourself at that price, what's priced in. And my thesis was too much good news is priced in, more good news than can possibly happen. So over the last couple of days, you've seen those two stocks, which in my opinion got into a bubble territory, um, pull down quite a bit. And I think there is probably a little bit more to go there because they got so high, they sucked in buyers on their way up. And those buyers, some of them are going to be looking at losses right now and saying, oh my God, what did I do? And those names could be ones where selling begets selling. But back to your original question, you look at Apple and you see they're raising their production for the year. Uh, 5G is coming out. Uh, their multiple is not egregious. I wouldn't say that by any uh, stretch of the imagination, not in a 0.6 percent 10-year regime. So I'm not worried about those. There's just a handful, very small handful of stocks that I think you got to worry about.
2: All right, John and Jerry, and I'm going to turn back to you here because if memory serves, we just showed a lot of the graphics around the big pullback in Zoom, right? It's, it's been indicative, maybe one of those stocks that we talked the most about with regard to the pandemic and the surge that we've seen in markets. I, I seem to remember you maybe being a trader, trafficker in, in call options tied to Zoom. Have you done anything with that position?
6: Um, There's been a host of them, Dom, that I got basically flushed out of, that I had to exit. Um, Tesla, for instance. uh uh, some of it on the good side some of it on the bad as tesla was falling apart again that trade dom that triggered whether it was i've got zero hedge tweeting me now that it was Nomura, john it's not um softbank i don't know who the whale was dom that triggered the trades all i know is that that particular buying activity billions of dollars of additional upside pressure on the markets basically pushed a lot of folks like me out of some of these stocks. You just couldn't justify it. So um, Zoom, um, Tesla, uh, Juniper. There are a host of stocks that over the last three or four trading days, I had to exit um, either because they just became way too extended. And that call skew was so extreme, Dom. And again, I'm throwing this back to you because you're the one last week that really noted that first. Um, when we were looking at this you said hey John is this just hedging or what the heck is going on why is the VIX moving up so dramatically a 26% move while the market was flat to rising that doesn't usually happen and of course it was the combination of hedging a lack of folks that were willing to provide that upside call speculation except at very very dear prices Dom and it goes back to getting more of the men and women back onto the trading desks at JP Morgan, SocGen, Deutsche, all that, instead of these disparate pods all over the country, as well as the trading floors. Because right now, what you don't know really could kill you. And I think a lot of us were looking at these trades and saying, who was that? What's going on? And the more uncertain people are, the less willing they are to provide that access to the markets. And again, that skew then gets really wide, Dom.
2: All right, so I'm gonna take a look at at, at this particular debate right now about whether or not the markets should be bought at this point or whether or not we are now gonna revalue things and say maybe we're due for a pause. I'm gonna look first of all at an analyst who we know is fairly bullish on the market overall. That is Dan Ives over at Wedbush. He's got a note out there saying that the sell-off is a speed bump on a path still higher for tech stocks ahead He says that we believe tech stocks could still go another 20 to 25% higher looking ahead. We view pullbacks today as opportunities to own the secular growth stories in cloud, cybersecurity, and tech stalwart fang with the AA names in there. Shannon Sakosha, I'm going to turn to you here for, for this one. The bullish argument here is that this is a pullback that should be bought. Is there a scenario in your mind right now managing people's money or yes, you are out there nibbling and buying because of the pullback.
5: There absolutely is. It really depends on where you're starting your position from though, Dom. I mean, the challenge with these names has been, you know, to to Jim's point, you know, these aren't the, you know, necessarily the names that are, you know, distressingly overvalued. Uh, and these are companies that d- sort of, you know, have grown into their valuation because they executed over the last six months, not just as a defensive trade, but really they've been executing on both the top and bottom line. And so I think if you look at your clients' portfolios or your personal portfolio, mm-hmm. if you're managing it yourself, just look at it in terms of where is your exposure right now to technology and there are certain things that you could be invested in where you have outsized exposure to technology if you're supplementing that by buying additional exposure to the FANGAM names, then that problem you're probably overexposed in this environment where we see the potential for some of this rotation. Um, but however, if you you know took a lot of money off the table back in March, or you've been in, in in fixed income, which is a difficult place to be right now, and you're looking to add incremental risk, if your time horizon is the next several years, two to three years, we're anticipating economic growth to improve, and so you know I, I think that you could be nibbling here. Um, but if you're trying to time these trades just perfectly um, you know in a, in a name like Microsoft you're probably going to be enjoying being an investor for the next five years in Microsoft and so I wouldn't be so worried about making sure that you're getting it today or tomorrow or next week on a pop
2: all right b- before can I just Shannon can I just follow up with you because I want to make sure that I get both sides in here there have been other momentum names that are the target of some analyst downgrades or, rev- or revisions here I think Wayfair, which has been a quote unquote beneficiary of the COVID pandemic, it's being downgraded to neutral over at Bank of America. Lululemon has been uh, on a tear. It's been downgraded to neutral from buy over at Citigroup. And DocuSign, one of those stocks, has been downgraded to hold from buy at Deutsche Bank. These are now tactical moves that have happened because of the run up. Is now then a scenario where the bears can say, you know what, it's time for the pause, Shannon.
5: I think all of those thematically have different drivers dom and so I think it comes back to looking at the particular company and why they've done so well. Lulu, for instance, I don't own it, but it's top of the line retail and it basically their demographic is, you know, hasn't has been disproportionately unaffected by COVID job losses. So, you know, if you look at each of those individual companies thinking about the potential for those stocks to continue to to rise in price and potentially expand their multiple it, you know, we we have to look at it from a stock to stock basis. However, to Steph's point earlier in the show. If this value rotation, this maybe rotation or baby rotation, as I'm calling it right now, because we don't know, it's so nascent. If that really takes hold, these are absolutely these high growth, high momentum names are absolutely going to be sources for cash for people reallocating within their equity portfolio. And so, you know, it might make sense to trim these positions, take a little bit off the table. Lulu, Wayfair, they're not bad companies um, and they will continue to grow. But at this point, it's about relative opportunity.
2: All right. Let's talk about some trader moves because the investment committee is doing some trading. Stephanie, we we talked about Broadcom, but you also recently added some McDonald's and NXP semi. You also sold out of PayPal. Interesting moves. Why?
3: Well, I'm trying to buy low and sell high, right? PayPal's up 70 percent on the year. It trades at 50 times earnings. I was buying it at, at 100. So I think it's had a nice run. I love the secular story, but it's a bit rich for my blood. And that's why I did put it into Broadcom, but also NXPI, because I do think that the auto recovery is just beginning. And 42% of their revenues is tied to auto. Uh, 14% of their revenues is tied to mobile payments as well. And so I like their mix. I like their customer base. It's a great management team. I think there's margin upside. So, and oh, by the way, the stock's like flat on the year, right? So I'm trying to get stocks that I think have a lot of upside that haven't run. And these guys, I think have $9 in earnings power. I trim some Home Depot because it's up 30% and it trades at 26 times what I believe to be kind of... Peakish earnings in housing because I think housing will stay strong, but can it get much better than this? And so, lovely company, great management team, great balance sheet, but I wanted to take some gains there, put it into McDonald's, which has lagged. It's only up 8% uh, uh, year-to-date, and it's trading at 33 times forward, so it's not cheap. However, those earnings, I think, are trough earnings. As you reopen the economy, I think that their revenues will come back. I think their margins will come back. It's a great management team, good product cycle, uh, and uh, I just think that... um, as I say, I'm trying to buy low and sell
2: high. All right, John, you mentioned Zoom, Communications, also Tesla. But you also sold out of a number of stocks and call positions beyond that as well. Can you take us through some of those other moves that you made there?
6: Sure, Dom. Um, ADT, uh, just lack of follow through. So with this Google, you know, taking the 6% stake. So exited ADT as far as the stock, um, still have options on it exited uh, chegg chgg but i still have options on it so what i was doing dom was in many cases taking off some of the direct exposure with the equities and going with the stock surrogate which is of course options or option spreads let me see here uh... fast uh... gilead Lenar twilio yeti those were a few others on the stock side that i traded out of dom and in some cases in fact the last three that i named i i exited those positions completely didn't simulate a long position over on the option side of the street as far as options dom um i n o l r c x uh L-R-C-X, uh, Tilray, uh uh vst zoom you mentioned and zenga um, a lot of option trimming over the past uh three or four trading days and you know i'm feeling better about it i would certainly be looking to on Apple, for instance, below 115. I think it's almost a gift here, Dom. So uh, I'm I'm looking to add more Apple into my positions here. Uh, There are some of those stocks that are among those Fang names that the sell-offs were so extreme. And Tesla is once again kind of falling into that category, Dom, um, where it was 530 when they announced that $5 billion raise on Tuesday. And today it broke through 400 pretty hard. That's, that's looking a little more interesting again.
2: All right. Well, this is just the beginning, guys. We've got lots more stocks to talk about and trader moves to make here. So stick around. Transportation stocks, by the way, coming off the worst day since June. Some of our experts' own stocks are in that industry group. That debate is straight ahead on Halftime Report. We are back in two minutes.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
2: All right, welcome back to the Halftime Report. What you're seeing right there is a look at the markets right now. It is red, very much so. But I will point out that at the lows of the day, the Dow was down over 600 some odd points. We are down about 356 right now. Yes, it's still deep in the red. Still, though, very, very much so off the session lows. The Nasdaq off by 2%, just about having its particular declines on an intraday basis. The Russell 2000, believe it or not, outperforming today, down only about 1%. Let's now get to the headlines with Sue Herrera. Good afternoon, Sue.
7: Good afternoon, Dom. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. Ahead of the Labor Day weekend, the TSA is reporting the most daily passengers through its checkpoints since the pandemic began. Thursday's total of 878,000 people is more than 10 times the April low, but it is down still 60 percent from last year's level. Spain and Italy both reporting the highest number of new infections in a single day in some four months. And just moments ago, France reporting nearly 9000 new cases, that country's largest one day increase so far. The head of the World Health Organization saying, quote, vaccine nationalism, end quote, will prolong the pandemic and renewing calls for a united global response. So far, the U.S. is refusing to join the WHO's vaccine coalition. And off the coast of Sri Lanka, a burning oil tanker carrying more than two million barrels of crude. A Sri-, Sri Lankan Navy official says that that fire has been contained away from the ship's cargo and the risk of an oil spill is low. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. That's the news update this hour. Dom, I'll send it back to you.
2: All right, Sue Herrera, thank you very much for those headlines. The transports, they've been on a great run recently, but getting slammed over the past couple of days in this market sell-off. Frank Holland has been tracking this group for us. And, Frank, what exactly is the dynamic that's playing out?
1: Well, hey, Dom, you know, Dow, Dow transports down again today after plummeting more than 2.5% during yesterday's sell-off. UPS and FedEx, two of the biggest names in this group, both rebounding today but falling nearly 5 and 3% yesterday. Now, analysts I spoke to, they say some of those declines, they're just profit-taking. Both stocks gaining more than 50% over the past three months. Both have had holiday-level volumes during the pandemic, but that recent guidance from the CDC telling states to be ready to deliver a vaccine by November 1st is being seen as a potential signal. The e-commerce explosion, it could be ending. It's already been a bit of a double-edged sword because the majority of that volume that UPS and FedEx and other shippers are seeing is residential delivery, which is a third less profitable than business-to-business. And today, we're seeing those concerns about an e-commerce slowdown still weighing on the big trucking names. Night Swift, the nation's largest trucker, J.B. Hunt, and saya all of them down. Keep this in mind. eMarketer's most recent forecast made during the pandemic has online spending actually falling 3% from Q3 to Q4, even with the holiday season. So even this company is seeing a decline coming this year. Back over
2: to you. All right, Frank Holland, stick with us here. Jim, I want to bring you into, into the discussion here. You own Greenbrier and Alaska Air within this transportation group. What exactly do you think? Is this a thesis that can play out longer term?
4: Um, Yes, but you have to be selective. And that, that point is made very clear with Alaska Airlines, because let me be very clear about this. I am not bullish on the airlines. I think the big boys at the top, American and United, have a very big problem, okay? Their debt is exploding on their balance sheet, while at the same time, their business is shrinking and they're laying off uh, pilots and they are shrinking roots they're getting rid of roots that's a bad combination where you're increasing your debt but your basic earnings power is going down. You look at Alaska Airlines, it basically has no net debt. It has cash equal to the debt on hand. It also has done a fabulous job of controlling cash burn uh, and it's got some routes that are pretty safe from competition, particularly going up to Alaska. So as the airline industry has a problem, I think Alaska is the one that's going to survive and thrive on the other side. Uh, Greenbrier, and I'll make this quick, it's a rail car manufacturer. As you're seeing consumption continue and even to pick up here in the U.S., that means goods need to be transported and they're being transported by rail, which requires rail cars to be built, refurbished, repaired, and that's Greenbrier's bread and butter. They do it very well. They're attractively priced. Everybody knows I like Greenbrier.
2: All right, let's turn now to some of the bigger names out there as well. Stephanie and Shannon. Uh, Shannon, I will start with you first. You both own Union Pacific, speaking of rails, and UPS as well. Shannon, what's your take on why Union Pacific, why UPS?
5: Well, I think to Jim's point about rails, and it's well stated, it's not just that, you know, former Vice President Biden loves the rails. It's that. I mean, as we see this pickup in economic activity, goods need to be moved. This is a U.S.-based company. Um, there's still a lot of opportunity here. And, you know, really, their focus on cost efficiency over the last several years is, is reaping rewards for investors. On the <clears throat> UPS side, we sold FedEx last year. We bought UPS a few months ago. And, you know, the reason we bought UPS was not necessarily as a pandemic play, but that we felt that there were additional efficiencies that can be derived here. Largest package provider deliver in the world and continuing to be, um, try to, you know, evaluate opportunities for them to create a stronger brand outside of just being the default shipper for e-commerce.
2: Now, and, and Stephanie, before we leave this subject here, the transportation kind of investing pro i guess what exactly does this mean do do we have to stick with this trade a while longer how does it play out over the next say few months to a year
3: i don't know why you wouldn't right i mean i think that this i mean this this group is a direct beneficiary from the recovery in the economy uh, and the reopen. And UPS, by the way, I don't understand why it trades at a three multiple point discount to FedEx, but it does. And that doesn't make any sense to me. (coughs) You will see the volumes continue to surge. They're getting better pricing. Um, And even if e-commerce slows down, which I do not think it will, they have a B2B business, which is much higher margins. And so you have opportunity to see margin expansion story, not only from the new CEO cutting costs, Costs and cutting overhead, which he is doing, but you're also going to see this mix shift. And so you could see earnings actually double from here at both UPS and FedEx. I just think UPS is the cheaper way to play it. And I really like the new CEO on Union Pacific. It is a recovery in the economy, but it's also a backdoor way of playing auto because we know that's a big part of their business. Um, and they hired a COO a few years back. And they are really focusing on efficiencies and operating ratios, getting down to more competitive levels. So I think these two companies have a ways to go. I'm holding on. uh, And uh, they've actually been pretty good performers on the year.
2: All right. Relative. (laughs) Sounds like a plan to me. Now, Frank Holland, while we have you here, you've got a special edition of Summer School tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern Time what's on tap for that hour? Don, we've
1: got a lot in the lesson plan. One of the biggest things we're going to talk about is the fact that this may be the first sell-off for a lot of new investors, people that entered the market during the pandemic. So we're going to have downtown Josh Brown, a halftime regular, and two other financial advisors talking about what you should do, if anything, to respond to the sell-off. Of course, that depends on how your portfolio is structured and your time horizon. We're also going to look at some non-FANG tech plays. We're going to have Julia Boorstin, and Josh Lipton looking at two tech companies a lot of people may not be that familiar with. And also Seema Modi looking at a transport that's actually improved 200 percent since its March low. So transport's having some trouble today, but we're going to look at one that's been doing great.
2: All right. Big show tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to tune in, everybody. Frank Holland, thank you very much. We'll see thank you later you. on today. Well, I just want to point out a note because Stephanie Link brought up the autos. Check out this chart of Tesla. Yeah, Tesla. It was down... But the lows today, $372. It's now up 2.5% on the day. So it seems as though there has been some dip buying, at least in this electric car maker. We'll continue to follow that trade to see if there's any more momentum on the upside for there. But Tesla, again, pretty much in the red, now very much in the green so far. We'll see if that sticks. Well, John Ejerian's got some unusual activity trades coming up next. But first, to check on the S&P 500 sector heat map, you can see there, uh, we're seeing some movement. A green spec or two financials and industrials leading the way higher just about flat on the day right now meanwhile comm services and technology continue to underperform and as a reminder you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the cnbc app halftime is back
0: right after this old dominion freight line was built on keeping promises with an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate we keep promises better than any other ltl freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours, too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started.
2: All right, welcome back. With Apple shares down more than 10% in just the past two trading days, options traders are making some big moves in that name John, what can you tell us about the action you're seeing in Apple options?
6: Well, as I said, Dom, um, it certainly became tempting when the stock had traded up to, I believe, um, $137 or more a share just two sessions ago. And then they put the whip to it yesterday as they did and drove it down again today. It broke 111 today. I bought more shares, Dom, because I saw this. Uh, The October 95 puts were uh, sold aggressively for $2.35. Somebody stepped in and sold 13,000 of those, Dom. That's 1.3 million shares that that person would have to own if indeed they were forced to by those put uh, owners. So selling a put is a very bullish position because, again, somebody could have to put on a leveraged trade Uh, to accommodate uh, the obligation that they took on I sold those puts I also bought Apple calls take a look at this one too, Dom another one of the big names in the fang man when you throw the M in there uh, Microsoft because they stepped up and sold puts in Microsoft in a big way the 185 puts Um, I think these were both very shrewd traders I don't know whether it's SoftBank or Nomura or anybody else, but these look like they were opportunistic options sellers that were looking to capture premium by selling well out of the money puts. I joined them and added to my long positions in both of these names, Apple and Microsoft.
2: All right, guys, if we could just put up an intraday chart of Apple, if you could call that up. I just want to point out something and leave you guys to interpret, viewers, I mean, to interpret how you will. Apple stock opened up today at the opening bell, $120 in change. At the lows of the day, we were at $110 and 89 cents. We are currently trading at $119 and 38 cents. So obviously some people stepped in throughout the course of the last few hours and bought Apple shares. We'll continue to monitor that one as well. Apple and Tesla seem to catch a bounce in today's session. We'll see if that carries into the afternoon. Well, stocks are down, but bouncing off those session lows, like we pointed out with Apple just now, you've got some questions. We've got some answers about what to do in this volatile market. Ask Halftime is up next. Send us your questions. Go over to CNBC.com slash halftime or tweet at us at Halftime Report. We'll be back in two minutes. All right, the traders are answering your questions. First up, Stephanie Link from Allen in Phoenix, Arizona. Is Zoetis breaking out right now?
3: I mean, I like Zoetis, whether it's breaking out or not. It's best in class. It's the number one animal health company, strong execution. They just beat numbers, raise guidance. Um, We love our pets, and so US product sales up 19% was not surprising, but it was a good number, so I like the story very much.
2: I've got two dogs and spent a lot of money on those care products for sure, Stephanie Link. Now for Jim Labenthal from Terry in San Diego. What's your take on General Motors?
4: Okay, three things really quickly here. One, auto sales are picking up here in the US. That's very clear. What's also clear is that within light vehicle sales, pickup trucks which are where the big margins are are picking up. No pun intended. Finally, the company should and I hope <laughs> will at some point spin out the electric vehicle division, and that would unlock tremendous value in the stock. The first two enough are sufficient. The third would be really nice gravy on top.
2: All right. And for John Najarian from Ashok in Pennsylvania, in times of increasing volatility and sell-offs like September third, how do investors quote unquote buy protection to safeguard their portfolio? If options are the typical safeguarding strategy, how does one calculate how much protection to buy?
6: Uh, Well, that's a great uh, question. And I I look at the S&P 500 puts as the way to do that for an S&P 500 portfolio, the triple Qs for the NASDAQ portfolio, Dom. And um, you don't wanna do that on days like yesterday or today because the volatility just exploded, which means those premiums are sky high like pete always says buy them when you can not when you have to and i think if you follow that you'll be a much better and richer investor
2: all right and shannon sakosha how do you feel about treks in this environment i will say that i'm one of the folks out there who put in a deck over the last six to nine months so i know exactly what the home improvement trade is all about
5: so we bought this back in june of last year Um, it's about twice the price that i paid for it so there's been a nice gain in this stock Um, To Steph's point, there might be a little bit of a pullback here in some of these home improvement stocks as, as the reopening trade moves forward. But this is really an area where we think there's going to be continued growth. We think there's going to continue to be home improvement. And this is just a, they they are not fully saturated across the market. And then, so there's a lot of share gains to be had here.
2: It's a 54 percent in just the last 12 months there for Trex. All right. Thank you very much, guys. The Nasdaq 100 lower again and coming off its worst day since March. How the futures traders are playing it. That's coming up straight ahead on Halftime Report. Welcome back. Time for Futures Outlook. Stocks continue their slide today and our Futures Outlook traders say the Nasdaq is due for an even bigger pullback. Jimmy Urio, Brian Stutland, they join us now. Jim, what's in store for the Nasdaq? We seem to be catching a little bit of a bid right now midday. Well, yesterday, I thought we were
1: due for an 8 to 12% pullback. At the time,
2: it seemed like it was a lot.
1: We basically got that when we traded the lows to you know 11,100 and change. The important thing to remember about the fundamentals here is that nothing's really changed. One week ago, Jay Powell looked us in the eye and said he was going from being all in to being really, really all in. And that hasn't changed. What really has changed is market position. The, the story can't get much better as far as the government involvement from this point. So that's why we had to take a little bit of a breather. This shouldn't surprise anyone. The next has been up 88% since the lows. A quick 12% pullback is not, is not much. I still like that 11,000 level. And when we got close to that, I took off some of my short hedges
2: and got a little bit more long at that level. I plan on doing it again if it gets there. All right, watching the 11,000. That's what Jimmy Urio is doing. Brian Stutland, what are you doing? Yeah, and to Urio's
1: point, really, when you look at some of the technicals here, that support level, 11,085 or so, is really where we bounce. That seems, that's going to seem to act like support Below there, 10,250 is really the next lowest level. And if things get really ugly, 8,800 on the downside, I don't know that we get there anytime soon here. But when you look at that, that level of 11,100 area, that's where all those names we've talked about, you've heard on the show here today, Apple, Tesla, they all started reversing and moving higher. And it seems like the way hedgers took it off, not just Yurio taking his hedges off, but I've seen other hedges, take, people taking their hedges off as well. And we got a real significant bounce here. To me, when I start to see those hedges come off, I see the market tend to go, significantly higher
2: all right we're looking at support for the 50-day moving average in the nasdaq overall as well on the cash side of things brian stutland jimmy urio thank you very much we've got final trades coming up straight ahead on the halftime report keep it right here we are back after this break all right the dow is down just about 311 points we were down over 600 at the lows of the day we have halved our market losses the s&p down by one and a half points 4, or one and a half percent 48 points in the nasdaq down by two and a half percent 11,000 there Keep it right here. We are back after this. All right. Tuesday on CNBC, tune in for a special program at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's the path forward race and opportunity in America. Our own John Fort and Andrew Rossorkin will take a closer look at the underrepresentation of black workers and leaders in corporate America and hear ideas and potential solutions from CEOs, investors, and Entrepreneurs, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And on Wednesday, a special edition of the Halftime Report. We will discuss a new initiative to increase diversity at the highest levels of U.S. companies. Altimeter's Brad Gerstner joins us, plus Guy Primus, CEO of Valence, and also Sukhinder Singh, Cassidy, founder and chairman of The Board List. Also with us, Merck's Ken Frazier, Les Brun, Zillow CEO, Oscar Munoz of United Airlines, and Tony West of Uber, It's a who's who that's coming up noon Eastern time on Wednesday right here on the halftime report. Well, we've got some final trades coming up here. Let's turn to Shannon Sakosha first. What do you got?
5: Uh, Stryker, don't be afraid of healthcare here. Um, orthopedics is growing. There's really an oligopoly with Zimmer and Smith and & Nephew and Stryker here. Um, we believe that they can continue to expand their footprint in hips and knees. They're only about 20 to 30 percent market share in, in both of those right now.
2: All right, Jim Labenthal, to you, sir.
4: Yeah, Caterpillar looks like it wants to set a new 52-week high. Industrials really do have a bid to them. We don't talk about it much because tech gathers all the spotlights, but this is one worth watching for a breakout.
2: All right, and John Agerian,
6: T-Mobile, one of the largest 5G networks out there, and I think they're going to be a big beneficiary of that 5G iPhone 12. And last but certainly not
2: least, Stephanie Link.
3: It's down 8% year to date. It's an auto and housing play. They had a great quarter. They beat, they raised. They have a cost-cutting program in place that should help margins. And free cash flow is uh, actually quite strong. So, like that name.
2: All right. That does it for the Halftime Report. The exchange begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the
1: podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.